Hi friends, welcome back to the Bible Project Podcast. And we're in Season 2, Part 120 of our journey together through the book of Genesis. And we're in the opening verses of Genesis Chapter 16. And I've entitled today's talk, Trust. And I'll just begin by reading for you Genesis Chapter 16, Verse 3, which says this. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Now about 20 years ago I read a very interesting book called The Wealth and Poverty of Nations by a guy called Professor David Landis. That book is now recognised by historians and economists as being very valuable, offering some extremely valuable insights. That's because it introduced something new into the economic debate when it claimed that the only true natural resource in society was interpersonal trust that existed between people. The book argued that if you can set up a society where people can trust each other, then that that society will quickly become rich and stable. Landis identified how in some countries at the time he wrote this book, he was talking mainly about Russia and South America, countries that were, were, although rich in natural resources and have been for a long time, were still corrupt and economically underdeveloped. He also pointed out that for many years Africa had been uh, had been identified as a continent rich in natural resources and particularly he pointed out in the recent years that they'd found many new materials there that were of specific value to the computer industry. Yet for the most part many of these countries were still catastrophically poor and experienced intense corruption and cronyism. So the book really tried to attempt to document the relationship between interpersonal trust among citizens and the standard of living that was found there. And a very close relationship was seen to exist between those two things. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, from my personal experience, a very modern illustration of this in recent years for me was the phenomenon of eBay eBay was a company that started in North America and quickly spread across Western Europe. Now, as a retail business owner in the 1990s, I was a very early adopter of this site. I first went on it in 1997, maybe early 1998, and started trading as a business seller there uh, in the year 2000. When I wound my business up in 2009, I had completed over 50,000 sales on the eBay site. Now, originally, when I joined eBay, there was no feedback system. Early on in 2002, I attended an eBay meeting for business sellers at a big conference center in the UK called the NEC in Birmingham and was asked to go on what was called the eBay University team. Now, that was a bit like a help panel for small businesses and entrepreneurs who wanted information on how they could begin to sell on the platform. Now, that position was a voluntary position, as many of the early roles in eBay were. You see, the thing was, when eBay launched, when it first started, everybody said it wouldn't work. The popular narrative was that if you buy a used version of something on eBay, you'd pay for it, and the seller would probably just send you a broken piece of junk. And if you were a seller and you sold something on eBay, the buyer would send you a check 
and you'd send out the item and then the check would bounce. But interestingly, that's not what happened at all. People who had never seen each other from all around the world began to interact with each other and sell stuff to each other. You no longer had to live next door or close enough to someone to meet with them face to face to buy and sell to them. And remember, this was before there was a feedback system on eBay. The deal was that you would describe your goods honestly, including any flaws, and that you'd set a reasonable price. The buyer then would, at the end of the of the auction, would send a cheque, or sometimes, believe it or not, a great deal of time they would send cash in those early days through the post, and you'd receive the money, and you'd post out the goods. And you know what? It worked. What happened was eBay success, it flourished and it produced and released an enormous amount of capital that was previously frozen up. Now frozen capital is when you've bought something, invested in something that is no longer of use to you. So then its value gets tied up and it's just sitting tied up in a redundant item. So all of a sudden, all this value that was just frozen became valuable and accessible and everyone got richer together. In my case, the motivation for joining eBay was I had just bought a business and part of its stock were tens of thousands of illustrated prepaid phone cards. Now, no one collected those cards in the UK anymore, but I needed to get something back for them. And if you don't know what a prepaid phone card is, well, I suggest you go ask your mum or your dad. But none of that trade could have happened without the covenant that was established between each individual on that site. And it was a covenant initially predicated on nothing more than trust. You might say that honesty and trust were the real currency on eBay in the early days. And they certainly were the real value driver of that site. Now that's interesting because when a society has trust, and decides together to adhere to a set of external values and put those at its core, something permanent can then be built there as well because people can have the confidence and the ability to thrive and to prosper. Now the Old Testament here, these stories is telling us how humanity, the earliest days of humanity spread out and prospered and it's suggesting that this happened because things were being established under God's principles. The first truly equitable society is being built here upon God's foundations way back here in Genesis chapter 16. Abraham has made this agreement with God and he decides that the starting point of that agreement is this the simple statement that he will have faith. He will trust in God. He's going to aim high and try and live a good life and he's going to try and tell the truth and he's going to try and obey the Lord as best he can. And that, my friends, is a decision of faith. And that act of trust, it puts a spiritual fence around him and his descendants. It's a bit like a walled city. That's why the building blocks are in place for God not only to bless him, but to make his descendants be blessed as well, and as numerous as the sand on the beach or the stars in the sky. It doesn't mean things won't be difficult and complicated when we choose to live this way, but it does mean that God can put a hedge around us. These parameters means that there may on occasion when we slip up be discipline if we stray beyond God's limits, but we know that he has also promised that there will never be a general judgment like God sending a flood. 
these early stories also told us that God says he will never do a general judgment again in that way because now he's going to make all of us individually responsible. So you know what? No matter how bad things get, they won't get so bad that there'll be a catastrophic judgment against everyone on earth because God's grace will now be exercised on a one-to-one -one basis and individuals can access the grace of God even when a judgment falls. And that is why the new covenant with Abraham is so important. And it's important to note that it no longer will be just a written code, but something that the New Testament tells us will be written into the hearts and minds of individual women. We'll enjoy looking at this a bit more in the next episode. Bye for now.